you're listening to TMOA, the movies on air. You know, uh, Grayson and Chris, you ready to rock this thing? Oh no, we're uh, we're going to be joined shortly by Chris. So in the meantime, we can say hi to everyone. And so welcome to our uh, new one-hour segment of Movie Time, where we are going to be doing the reviews that you want to hear. So we've got a few movies uh, tonight that it's like there's going to be a brand new one, as well as there is also going to be a few that we didn't have a chance to review back in the past. So if uh, you're ready to have a good time with the movies, this is uh, going to be your show. Also, we are going to be doing as well a nice little education uh, segment for those who, you know, want to uh, actually come and learn a little bit more about the industry, both the live action industry and the machinima industry. So if you have also any questions, feel free to go into the chat and give us a shout. And also we, uh, we will look for any uh, interesting questions, comments, anything from the audience, as well as uh, we, have four, uh, we have five films that we're reviewing, uh, sorry, four films that we are reviewing tonight for our very first show. First one being Slenderman. So for all of those uh, who don't remember uh, that, it was uh, in January. And then our second one is going to be Dangerous Desires. Our third one is going to be Enigma. And then followed by Saratoga, parts one and two. So you got to uh, make sure to get all happy and get everybody jumping in with us. Hey, Chris is coming uh, back aboard and back lively with us. No? Ah, there we go. We can pump it through. <laughs> go, Chris. There you go. We have liftoff. Mike, cut off on me again. Yeah, bad Mike, bad, bad Mike. Yeah, we're going to have to slice up Mike. That's it. We, uh, you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen of our call, please make sure that uh, also when we do that, it's like that we buy Chris a whole brand new mic <laughs> for our next show so that it's all back again. So 
Also, while we're here tonight, we had a few interesting articles come up also in the movie industry. While we're waiting for Chris to uh, get through with the making issues. Um, some of the interesting stuff that has uh, come up is most recently with the, dealing with Disney. And they tried to redo uh, Emerita. How uh, all of us seem to know that lovely character from Brave. Well, apparently Disney got their own backlash for it. Well, that'll teach Disney to redraw anything. You do, you do not mess with perfection. And so, therefore, it's like they, uh, they had their own little problems, and thankfully they removed uh, the new Emerita from the website. And they, uh, But, of course, they don't have any comment uh, from Disney whatsoever. Also, what's going on is we have the end of Cannes Film Festival happening which is the festival that goes on in France for the movie industry. And coming up shortly will uh, be in September, and coming up is the Toronto Film Festival, as well as from there, as well, also we're going to be having the American Film Market. I'm going to be going to the American Film Market this year, so watch out again for my eight-part blog series that will be coming up on that. You doing okay, Chris? Nope. I ain't there. He ain't there, huh? He ain't there. He didn't call dropped. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. make connections a couple of times. He's and yeah. Chris, are you there now? Reach yeah. out and touch those okay, connections. Crash. There we go. There we go. Alrighty, so while we're lucky, let's get started on our first, first movie of movie time. Our very first one is Slenderman. Mm-hmm. How many of us uh, remember Slenderman from January? If you don't, please go on Indie Radio and on the Indie Showcase and also on TMU. And please make sure that you uh, download and review that movie. Chris, what did you think of the movie? Um, I liked it. I thought it deserved the award. See, I really liked uh, it as well, Slender Man. It's like, uh, once again, by the way, we are going to be giving our A to F system. And our F system, it's like in order to earn an F, as you know, with us, we're, as reviewers, it's like it's got to be something that is like um, great effort but needed a whole improvement of system. And then, of course, we have our A system from an A+. What I thought of Slender Man itself, I thought that there was like some nice music and editing. The story had like a cohesive blend as well. But some of the uh, the black and white feel of it, like the story itself, got my attention. And the acting was good in it, which was really nice. What did you think of the uh, the acting in the movie, Chris? Um, I liked it. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Can you think of any drawbacks from it? Um, I thought it was. Uh, yeah, it's like it would have been lovely to have some subtitles in uh, certain places because the lip movements would have benefited from the film and give it emotion. It, it didn't. La- it had sometimes that it lacked for me in, in like how he got uh, he got to marry, but it seemed to me like too fast to jump. You know, like, with no reference of character. However, that being said, it's like, a, you know, it's a really lively show. 
in terms of that, and I would definitely say it. So what'd you give it? Um, I give it an, I give it a no. And uh, would you say uh, definitely give it a go? Yeah, I, 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 I give it a B plus. So, way to go uh, with Slender Man. And again, all of these movies that you can see them online. In regards to that, on the uh, on the CC Toolbox indie, uh, and the website, you will see that is http cctoolbox.org indie radio. So please make sure that uh, you're going to check out all of that because we also have longer reviews as well. Our second uh, movie of the night was Dangerous Desires. Do you uh, did you have a chance to uh, get a really good crack at this one? Uh, I saw it. It was good. What'd you love most about it? Um, and that Siskel and Ebert feeling. Yep. Yeah. It's like for me, uh, I really loved the opening credits on it. Like the black and white, it, it feel lent itself to the story. A lot of people, when they try and do black and white, it's like it just doesn't hit it. But it, this it really lent itself to the story. Uh, I also like, yeah. Did you like the editing as much as I did? And that the memory was in color, which kind of made it sort of feel like even more vivid to you. Like it made me curious, really, to want to see the next chapter and how much uh, more that it's going to be. It's like, it really, it is something that uh, is worth uh, seeing in regards to it. But, yeah, but for me, I would honestly say some of the negative was lacking the original music. Once again, I am pleading with the, the Machinima community. We have so much good music out there. For crying out loud, we can always find original music. And I caution you not to use others' work. Like people, uh, like the person holding Thomas needs to sound uh, more menacing with my only other little tiny thing. Like that actor, uh, was just, it felt like it, uh, is, uh, like this is again something in the future for uh, the mission of a maker. It's just if you're going to be doing the next chapter, please make sure that it's like, you know, original music. There is a huge thing right now, and if you don't believe me, um, there was a website of a actual fan film that they were made aware, the studio of this fan film website, and now they pretty much have told them, please cease and desist on doing that. And it's only for simply things that it's like they had some logo some music some movie is and stuff like that on there so it's like i do encourage everybody to uh, please go on so many there are so many websites and if you really do need some available we can make some available to you on uh, our actual movie time site of some royalty free music sites as well as if you do need also i encourage you to look at your local bands you know and 
definitely you want to check out your local bands and see, because you never know what great song that somebody who's up and coming will have for your next film. So definitely you, uh, if you have any questions in regards to those two films, please uh, give us a shout on the actual live uh, chat. By the way, for our live chat uh, tonight, we've got quite a few uh, people in the chat room with us, and we might take this time to also say hey to Ben, <laughs> it's like long time no see, and to Joster, and of course to Kenji, and to Ramsey, and to Zeke, and to Hells, like it lets me, uh, it's like, and to all of the people out there that are actually uh, listening to our radio show. So, forgive us now if also our very first show here is uh, having its own little miking things, but you know what? We only just get better with time. <laughs> we do! Absolutely. Yep. So right now we're going to take a really short commercial break, and we're going to come back with our next uh, round of films. So be sure also to check them out during this break time. Ariel, listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. Always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around you, right here on the ocean floor. Such wonderful things around you. What more is you looking for? Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. While we be boating full time, you floating under the sea. <laughs> Down you are, the fish is happy. As after the waves they roll, the fish on the land ain't happy. They shot cause they in the bowl. But fish in the bowl is lucky. They in for a worse fate. One day when the boss get hungry. Yes, you got me on the page. Under the sea, under the sea, nobody beat us, fry us, and eat us in fricassee. We want the land folks loves to cook. Under the sea, we have to hook up. We got no troubles. Life is the bubbles under the sea. Under the sea. Since life is sweet here, we got to be here naturally. Even the sturgeon and the rain, they get the earth and start to play. We got the spirit, you got to hear it under the sea. The need to play the flute, the cough, play the hop, the place, play the bass, and they sound the chop, the bass, play the brass, the chop, play the top. The flute is the duke of soul. The way he can play the names on the strings, the chop, rocking on the blackfish, he sings the spelt and the spot. They know where it's at, they know that blowfish blow.
little clown here, no heart to jam here, under the sea. Each little slug here, cutting a rug here, under the sea. Each little snail here, no heart to wail here, that's why it's hot under the water. Yeah, we in luck here, down in the muck here, under the On the next episode of Cerebus the Aardvark, Cerebus is taken prisoner by a madman. You think I care nothing for my slaves, do you? My people are my life. They sacrifice their freedom for a greater cause. And that would be? The defense of Earth against a secret invasion of Venusians. Threatened by magical forces. Uh-huh. Gore is as predictable as the stages of the moon. The energy globes of a mesh. And must duel to the death with a sword master. I am Lord Cohen. Before we begin, there are some rules we must... Your accent is not a meshite, noble sir. Nay, I am Panrovian. Join us this Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern on TMOA Radio Theater for Serapis the Aardvark, featuring special guest Ken White. Episode 9, Swords Against Imesh. Welcome back, one and all, to our movie time. It's like, uh, so we got the technicality things with Chris fixed, so now he can talk about dangerous desires. Dude, so uh, go with those positive and negatives for us. Oh, okay. Um, I like the music. Um, I like, I like the uh, nice, I thought it was a nice use of uh, color to show emphasis. Um, some, some of the things I didn't like was sometimes the voices are hard to hear. Um, and I think that was the only thing, just... just because it's so important that to hear whatever you character is saying all of the time when they're speaking. Mm-hmm. Unlike me. <laughs> On the show. Yeah. Well, and what grade did you give it, uh, Chris? Um, gave it an A. People should go Woo! watch it. I gave it a B plus. It's like, yeah, I found it a really uh, easy to watch movie. And definitely, it's like, if, you, uh, if you're into like that whole film noir kind of thing, definitely watch Dangerous Desires. And definitely, please do your next chapter because we can't wait to see it. Uh, what What was the software used to make this piece of machinima? I believe it was the movies. Just curious. Mm-hmm. If I uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, and you're on the air with us. And our next one up on there is Enigma. Go for it, Chris. You must have seen this one. Um, yeah, I did. Um, I thought it was a very entertaining, um, great music. The voice acting was really iconic, whereas everyone had a specific personality. Um, I thought the sets were amazing, and also the costumes were great, too. And also, by the way, for everybody who is looking for it, it's called Hero Chronicles Episode 2 for us. Now... I, too, also appreciated, by the way, as my own little kudos to you, 
that you did not use that Star Wars looking opening credits thing that everybody uses when you one does sci-fi. And thank you, thank you, thank you to you for not doing that. I also, it's like I like the Jurassic game that they're playing with the boar, when the boar comes in. It's like a, it's that slow moving that you enjoy the spaces in the story. It's kind of I like the the way that they spaced and paced it. My only one small critique is it felt way too much like it, I was watching a Star Trek episode. And I realized <laughs> the influence, but it was like kind of just that whole way on the other side overdone. And now, mind you, if you're a Star Trek fan, absolutely, this is for you. <laughs> you can tell that Gene Roddenberry was channeling in this person's head. Yeah, I like the um, I like the charm of it. I I I like seeing all the different characters. It's like a ragtag group of um, of, of badasses. I thought it was very weird, and um, the futuristic music it set the tone. Um, but it was, but it was kind of weird because the futuristic music it was really. <laughs> It was really loud, and um, it was going through the whole thing, but it was kind of... I don't want to say don't put it on there, because because it's just so weird, but if you take it off, that might break the jewel that this um, machinima um, has. But I, I just think that the charm was just so undeniable, and I think that was that tone was possibly set by the... Um, by the... By, by the, um, all the... all the music. Um, I, I did think that um, th- the compression was heavy, um, even in HD. Which is um, something that I've noticed about uh, about movie storm films, but that's I don't think there's anything that um, the director could have done about could have done about that because the codex from movie storm are just so weird that it's hard to find um, a good conversion to uh, to uh, get to get something um, to get to, to get it uh, correct. That's something that I struggled with as well. Um, the, so, but the only kind that I did one of the kinds that I did see that was fixable was there was too many moving camera shots, <laughs> like the camera was. It just kept on moving. It's like, calm down, bro. It was like the camera had ADHD or something. Well, it's kind of like it didn't settle itself in. Like, you would have loved to have seen more settled-in movement. It's like maybe focus for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And be able to have that uh, the advantage of being able to have, like, a little bit of, you know, two character shots and something that breaks it up. What I liked, though, was the pacing of it. And so episode three will be interesting to see what the pacing of it's going to get to be. So, and I'm pretty sure that we have our episode three up there. So, what grade did you give it? I give it an A. That was really interesting. I thought it was refreshing for a sci-fi um, machine because usually they're all they're all boring. Then they still like they still even more heavily from start from um they borrow more heavily from Star Trek. But I think he had a I think he struck a nice balance. And if you're not a a sci-fi watcher, I think you definitely like it. Just because it doesn't have all the hang-ups and it's not trying to be all scientific. It's just saying, hey, in the future, we're about to do some things that's, uh, that has to do with action. I, I, like, I like it a lot. Yeah, for me, I gave it a B. And uh, it's like, it, it, the reason I gave it also the B and not the A on that, it's like, well, first of all, we, we all know that I'm pretty hard-ass at giving A's out to anybody in regards to that. It's like, it's got to be, uh, for me, something that it's like, and the reason why I did that was because it's like, because it lean, it's like, yes, you, if you are a sci-fi watcher, it's like you would enjoy it very much in terms of that, or even if you're not a sci-fi fan, but for me, it also felt, like I said, you know, the whole two on the Star Trek side sort of let me down. 
it, it was kind of like the, I would have wanted it to be just pulled back slightly more. To make it feel that much more dazzly. And our final ones are Saratoga Parts 1 and 2. By the way, kudos to our uh, filmmaker for Saratoga. Because it's like, I don't know about the audience, and this will be our question of the day. Do you like your machinima short or long? So feel free to, uh, to answer us in regards to the machinimas. If you like them short, let us know. If you like them long, let us know in regards to that. And what do you think of them, by the way, Chris? Saratoga Parts 1 and 2. Um, I liked them. I, I thought this also had the um, had that hip factor where um, it just wasn't so so overly. Con hey, you know we're in space. Let's discuss all the scientific as aspects of space. It was just hey, we're in space. There's things going on. Let's uh, let's figure them out. Another thing that I liked about it was that it's it was gorgeous. Like the the bloom effects were amazing, and I think it's typical of um of the Daz engine is just such a beautiful engine and the codex just works so great with all the other um video editors that you'll use um which also another Daz thing is uh the the characters are gorgeous like every every Daz uh, model is just gorgeous and and, and all the characters were hot and it, I thought that was um oh that was pretty cool <laughs> See, I did have to also give it kudos, that same thing, for it not being so, yeah, uh, it's like it could have gone there, but it so didn't. It was so nice to have like that refreshing bit, and also something to see something from Daz, because I've always been marveled by that software, and really, really wanted to see it, and see what, uh, and see what it did for us, because, I mean, I was just absolutely in you know what? It's like I absolutely thought that it was a really way cool type uh, type of movie, and also I like the fact that it was a little bit of a longer film because it gave me a chance to actually get into the story. It didn't just rush me through it, so I really did enjoy it. So, what grade did you give it? Um, I, I gave it an A, even though some of the reaction shots were too long. It's like the, the camera's on the guy when he um. Whenever there was a reaction, it's like, yeah, all right, I, I get it, I get it. He's, he wasn't happy about what was just said, or well, he was happy about what was just said, but it's there's no real reason for a thirty second reaction shot. But um, I, I loved it. I gave it an A. Oh, very nice. And it's like, yeah, I too gave it a B plus. It's like uh, a, a, and once again, it's like uh, it's. I'd like to see more movies coming out of Daz and different softwares. It's like, also, it was funny because it's like there's that one character on Daz software, Mike, and when I was like, you know, he was a, he is really well built. Well, it's like, yes, he is extremely well built. <laughs> so, um, also coming up within our, uh, our show, so those are our, our movies that we have reviewed so far to date. We are also, though, getting a lovely uh, spur-on-the-moment interview with Ben Tuttle, who is the maker of, uh, who is to deal with dangerous desires. Because remember, we asked that awesome question? We're about to get our first answer on that. You with us, Ben? Yeah, I'm here. Hello, Ben. How are you doing? Oh, doing pretty good. Let's, let's Check see. you out. <laughs> so, 
So, uh, how does it feel to be graduating from, uh, from there and finally getting out? Oh, I used to panic about it, but it's not so tough. I mean, it's a whole new window opportunity, and doors are open. I might go out to uh, grad school pretty soon. I don't know. I'll have to see. wait and see. Most definitely. And uh, you know what? It's like uh, basically uh, – so tell us a little bit about your motivation for Dangerous Desires. Dangerous Desire, basically, it started out kind of a, more of a fraps test. Really, I was testing out the fraps with the movies. That's the reason why you get more fluid animation. Uh, okay. Mac Williams have done it quite a while, and I wanted to try it out. So that was my chance, really, to do it. And the whole black and white thing came from uh, an idea by a Iranian filmmaker called Abbas Kiostami. Yes. Who did a Touch of Cherry. I think I believe yeah he did he did in black and white if he black and white and alternate thinking that one of his films it out kind of he all did an alternative between black black and white mm. and this grainy footage or wait wait no the grainy footage was at the end of the film basically mm-hmm. so that's basically where I got it from so uh, what do you think that was your biggest challenge for it. My biggest challenge really is kind of just cutting in, doing the style, getting mostly. Actually, I think the most difficult part was getting the sets, because um, there's one set I have to build with an entire airport or an airplane gate, and that's that's something that I couldn't find the movies game anywhere. So, mm-hmm. so I just decided to create it my own and get the airplane and import it. So what do you? Th- uh, so is there going to be another part to this? Actually, yes. <laughs> this time there is no... I, it's an idea I had a while from in my head, but I have to finish up a, few, a short film to work on it before working on this. Um, any, any spoilers for us? It's cold. It's a real cold film. <laughs> it's, mm. uh, if you thought this one was kind of depressing, wait until you see this film. <laughs> Nice. It's like, yeah, so you're going to uh, actually take us in uh, an emotional direction. So what do you think of the emotions, by the way, in Machinima? Do you think that we're actually getting closer in emotion? Well, well actually, you can create good emotion. It just depends on how you set up the camera work, the music. The, I mean, everything has to be kind of right for Well, you can really get attached to any characters, in my personal opinion. Even with animation, you can do very well. Pixar was well known for this kind of thing. They made some really great animations. I mean, they animated films that evoked emotion, and you can do that with Machine Arts. You just have to have good character quality development, good music selections, right amount of lighting. You can tone down the saturation and bring it blue, messing up with the color system and pose. Really, you can really manipulate a lot of emotions to people. It's like, uh, you know, what's uh, going to be uh, in store for the next so- uh, set of software? So what do you think is going to be next-gen that's coming up for you? My next trend? Yes! What do you think is going to be the next trend that's coming up as we get this going in the commercializing of the world? I'm not too sure what the next trend of machinima software would be, really. It's so much more, be? I mean, I think... So what would be your ideal? I think filmmaking is much more easier for people now. It's though you know I do, everybody has such a camera. Obviously, J.J. Abrams had like uh, have like this little plug-in where you can tie in a bunch of ac- action sequences on your iPhone. Everybody will uh, make a basically 
think everybody will be making films, actually. Mm-hmm. And so what are you kind of hoping for? The It's like if we could speak out to all of those people who are actually creating Machinima software, what, uh, what do we all need? Is our future, you, uh, like, with, uh, with the programming stuff, the next so- the software that you have had so far, what has made you sit there and say, you know, damn, I need this? Well, I do need more animation work, obviously, more animations, more control over my productions. Just the, I call them dusty, but it's just the animations are so, they're not what I, mentioned what I need, and that's the re- most difficult part. There's a lot of sets that I have to build myself. As for visual effects, I started getting into visual effects a little more, with chroma keying and compositing and you know that that's quite crucial when it comes to movie software. And that is a great I mean, trust me, that learning how to composite in green screen is a big plus. Oh absolutely. If you know how to cut and do all this, if you're skilled the technique really good with cutting, it really brings it far. Um, as for the major trend, I I don't know what it is, but I'd say it's more traditional stuff, knowing how to make a good story to really separate yourself from the others, because people are going to be making more and more films. You just, you got to find your style, and you got to find something that will s- completely uh, separate you from the others. Otherwise, you're just going to blend in like a teardrop in a sea of ocean, basically. And here I thought the trend was going to be music videos. Oh, well, in Second Life. <laughs> <laughs> That has been the trend in second. <laughs> it's like all of us SL people have the, done a music video. If you haven't done a music video, you just haven't been indoctrinated in the crowd yet. You haven't drank the Kool-Aid with the rest of us. I don't know. I just don't do music videos. I'm not a big fan of them. I'd rather go by my own narrative story telling. I, I'm sure people have done documentaries before. It's difficult. I've done a documentary before. It wasn't easy or not. But um, not a machine about live action. But um, really, what the next trend of storytelling is? People can get, can, people probably try to go all the way to ask, you know, with blockbusters, explosions. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking about visual effects recently. How easy people can do it in the movies game. There's a ton of people who can really just like chroma key 400 people in, seeing have explosions. And I'm actually doing visual effects work for now for a production actually that requires a lot of green screen and a lot of pretty much explosions and everything else. It's kind of it's something I I don't think he, I've seen, haven't seen that in the movies game before. What he wants mm-hmm. to do, so it'd be quite interesting. So here's an interesting thing: if they could bring a software together that actually brought in scripting as well, would you want to uh, have that played with also? Because well, scripting is like changing the codes and everything else of the program. Yes, as well as yeah. also actually traditional scripting as well. Well, when it comes, I mean, there's several programs. In fact, you can actually change the INI files of certain programs. You have to mod it to death. Um, you did it in the movies game. They did that quite a bit, where you can change a lot of things. You can have people holding onto various items. But it would be nice for scripting. It's just that it would be very complicated. See, uh, one of the things I've often said also as well uh, that I would love to see in regards to it, it's like uh, for a future trend, is you know how we have, uh, have they have uh, Celtic software that does um, actual script writing and then you can actually storyboard on it? It'd be kind of nice if we actually were able to do that with our machinima. 
I think so. It would be interesting. Like, uh, pre-visualization would be really great. Normally, I would just make stuff. Like, I would plan certain ideas in my head, kind of write it down what I want to do. Like, certain yeah. camera shots, like, uh, a good one with Dangerous Desires. Basically, that scene with Paris. If you notice that it went in, it just went to the guy's head. A lot of that stuff was mostly planned, and a lot of uh, angle shots. The jump cuts were actually intentional. You know, it was all planned out, pretty much. And I guess, you know, that jump cuts meant she was getting hit or slapped, or she's struggling with this, so. Mm-hmm. And what do, you th- uh, what do you think it's like when it comes down to that? It's like in terms of your scripting uh, style, it's like do you think that you script first and then uh, phase it out, or do you start modding first, then going through scripting? What's your, uh, what's your way of uh, going through it? What's your thought process in Machinima versus well, your traditional filmmaking? Well, it comes tr- I have to think, plan everything ahead of time, actually. And... Um, Basically, then I have to worry about modding afterwards. More, it's more of scripting than modding later on, and sometimes I have to change things around to make sure it works. Sometimes I have to cut out certain segments of the script. Mm-hmm. And what do you think, like, uh, in terms of that, as I said, you know, for future weakness? It, it's like future strength, future weakness, because uh, it's like with... Machinima, there are uh, some really great strengths that are coming out there as the software is getting better. But what do you think is like its greatest weakness that it's going to be before it becomes a commercial-type trend? Well, for a weakness, it, pe- it depends on the people who's working on it, really. Obviously, when we think of Machinima, we think of Halo, Red versus Blue, this name that Machinima has really gotten people associated with cheap comedy, really, cheap slapstick humor, toy-like humor, juvenile comedy, really. And, I don't know, that's the name, that's perspective, and obviously that isn't really as marketable as you could think of, really, in my personal opinion. I don't, especially if you see kids like, oh, you know, capture the flag, or they will replace it with that wonderful word people say, you know. But, um, basic, you know, it's just uh, what you do, it needs to be much more serious, but if you're talking about scripting and programming and changing, it's much more the more freedom you have, the more difficult and more how long, the longer it takes to create your production. Really, iClone for me, iClone takes quite a long time to do to make mm-hmm. one little thing, especially especially when it comes when it comes to designing your entire set. Um, in fact, uh, a lot of these sets have been. In fact, it's been a production about nearly two years in the running. It's all been all set design. I won't tell you what it is, though. <laughs> nope. No, no, no. Don't give us any spoilers on that. Because it's like, uh, then we can uh, all be going, oh my gosh. Basically. Well, so this it involves a lot of uh, exotic landscapes that uh, are really hard to find and are somewhat expensive to find anywhere else. Yeah, it's like, yeah, so here we go uh, with an interesting one. Star Wars versus Star Trek. Which side are you on? I was never into Star Trek. I never watched the show or anything like that, to be honest. So you follow JJ's uh, lead. I thought, it, I thought his, his ideas and interpretation was fine. I mean, 
It was your standard summer blockbuster, in my personal opinion. I kind of forgot about it after a few weeks watching it. Um, Star Wars, it's quite a... Uh, it's difficult now, apparently. This thing's gonna, probably going to be done to death. Um, I didn't mind the prequels very much. I just didn't really care for them, but the old films were definitely great, so... Definitely, it definitely changed cinema. Also, Star Trek also changed science fiction television for a while. It's still quite influential. Actually, they broke a lot of records. Apparently, even though I haven't seen Star, I, I only seen like a few episodes of Star Trek, but I, I'm well aware of its uh, of its influences of the of the landmarks it did. So that's kind of tough. So, but I'm more comfortable with Star Wars. Excellent. Now here's an interesting one because, like, you know that you and I are both uh, li- uh, admirers of live action as well as machinima filmmaking. It's like, so what do you like to see in your machinima? What do I like to see in my machinima? Yeah, what do you like to see when you're like being the viewer on your side of the machinima? Are like you short s- or long? Are you? It's really how people set up the camera and people how set up certain scenes. You don't see that very much. You don't see good cinematography very much. You get rare cases like um, when you see like Chronicles of Humanity, for example. That's some great camera work, some great setting, blocking. Definitely, that's some great stuff. But other people, they don't take consideration, or they're completely unaware of it. How, how important it is to set the camera up can't be. And there's some camera work that just draws attention towards itself, which is a huge violation. Don't let your camera swing around. Just for the sake of it, have it have a plan, have what it is. That's what you know. You be experimental. People just stay in their boundaries, but you know, rather go outside the box. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's kind of nice to have it actual, you know, take some risks. In regards to that, it's like Chris. So, uh, you have anything else for Ben? Um, what's your favorite ice cream? That's tough. Gotta say something with Oreo. Oh yeah, cookies and cream. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Oh damn, I oh. just had some of that tonight. Ben and Jerry's Cherry Garcia. I can't have that much. It's too expensive. <laughs> I get it on when it's on sale. <laughs> Ben's the cream one guy. That's what's up, man. But. So basically, it's dealing with cookies and cream, and also you like your machinima to have a a direct purpose. (coughs) Yep. Yep. Also, a storytelling. I mean, this is the biggest pet peeve I've ever had, and I'm going to say this about people who make pretentious cinema, but they try to be someone that they're not. I'm going to point out a good example of one person. I'm, you know, I'm not sure if I can or it might kind of create some controversy. Mm-hmm. If I should have given CMEO. CMEO is probably the poster child of pretentious cinema. She, she tries to be someone she's not, and it's extremely annoying. It's wasted. It's wasted. I mean, and I, and it's a um, it's a well opinion to a lot of people, and I agree with this that a lot of modern art is a sham. Because people try to be something that they're not. They don't try being true to themselves. And 
it's 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 pretty much uh, it's not good. I hate it. I really hate it. And they try to be, and then they look down on people who are trying to make you know they felt they're making something personal to them. It's, you know, it's pretentious and it's extremely idiotic to think such ways. And I feel like you know, I feel like if I'm ever on this machine, my Expo thing, I'm just gonna say, just make films just because you're personal. Don't try impressing other people because if you do, I mean, if you if you try and you tell a good story and it's comprehensive and you take notice of your angles, you're going to be fine. People are going to be impressed, but don't do it just solely to, to you know, make yourself look smart, because it looks dumb. Mm-hmm. And, and that's... If you want to change, and if you want to go French in a way, that's perfectly fine. You could do it. And, I mean, look at the French in a way. They've succeeded pretty well in that. They got experimental. They're huge lovers of cinema, and they respected it. They didn't look down on it. You know, and that's what the problem I had with CMO. She looked down, and, but yet... And the result is she tried to be something she's not, and she didn't pay respect to it. And that's just devastating. People, if you're so devastated, you know, if you don't pay respect, you're not, you're not doing a lot of that good, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. It does make sense. Sure. In regards to that, and it's like, uh, also, with that uh, being said, it's like, it's also very, very true that it's like, you know what, pay homage to the story, Get creative with it. So if you want to be a revolutionary experiment, so go ahead. You know, but it has to have some purpose. You know, it has to have a meaning or something. Even if it's meaning if it's nothing, I don't it's gonna go past people's minds. There should be some meaning. It should be just to make yourself look good. It's done. Yeah. Create a story to uh, that actually captivates an audience. Because in order to push it further, we're gonna have story. Uh, we're gonna need stories that push those limits and go beyond the cube. And by the way, we also want to thank you, too, for joining us as well. So, uh, it's like any, uh, like I said, any further uh, secrets that you want to reveal for us? Well, I'm working on a desperate band right now, which is um, it's pretty much a huge blend of uh, it's, I'm not a huge fan of westerns. I do love them. But, you know, I want to pay respect, but I had an idea for a large landscape shots, so this should be coming pretty soon. Going to have, now that I have time to work on it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's going to be uh, quite the fun one. And Chris, also? Um. Yeah, it's... Uh, it is going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, you know, keep on doing uh, some great work in regards to that. And keep pushing forward on pushing the envelope. Thank you. Wait till you see a lost love. <laughs> Ooh. It'll be fun. Some tidbits. It's cold. It's going to be a real cold film. But I'll say this she accepts the offer. Nice. It's like, uh, cannot wait to see that. <laughs> so, uh, you're going to have to stick with us uh, also, folks, in a few minutes as well. By the way, also, have you been following any of the trends that have been going on with the industry? I've looked into some things, though. I haven't been following movie trailers and such ideas. Um, I've gotten more focused on trying to find a small production assistant job. Mm-hmm. So. Well, one of the uh, 
the one of the helpful things to do is also go to the guilds and stuff. If you're looking at the production assistant, go into the DGA site and actually become a permittee member with the DGA oh. and DGC. Okay. It's like a, the, uh, it's a really useful way because also you will get onset experience with it as well, and you'll get a chance to get to network with people in the industry. And it's also a great and fun way to get into there. I think well, I think I should try it out. Uh, there's some. There might be a chapter in Minneapolis. Well, it's and another thing that you can also do as well is get in with your local filmmakers and see where they're at because a lot of them, it's like in terms of the permittees, it's like a it's a really great way also because they also have training sessions as well in there. Like one of the things I did when I was doing training assistant work was TAD training school, which was great. Being training assisting uh, directing school, and what they did is they really gave us a good realistic look into the industry that we're going to be in through experience on there and probably wound up with a good hundred or so hours being uh, right in there and it was a great jumping off platform because it's a totally different world from when you're in that classroom to when you're in that actual space itself I was fortunate that I did not have to have the uh, the background for myself of having to do the education till later on when I went towards my directing goals, but uh, that was different back uh, back then. And uh, it's like I've had a lucky run of that, and I hopefully continue to have a lucky run of more experiences uh, under my directing belt. But the thing is, is if it, if people are looking to get into the industry, my first thing I say is definitely go to school, learn your industry. And in your case, Ben, you did, didn't you? I did, but the biggest thing is they didn't really focus on um, the industry more. It's more film theory they were focusing on, and this is it's a good start. I mean, if I get into grad school, I've already taken grad school courses, basically the equivalent of what you would learn in grad schools, um, basically. And um, I don't know. I'm looking. I might go out west. There's several schools I want to go to. So, so what happens? Yeah, it's a, and that's yet another thing. It's like you know what? Yes, school will give you only uh, will give you a foundation basic, but your real school will be when you actually do that, and you will go out in the actual work world. And as I said, one of the things is after you have finished your college or university, definitely try and do things. Um, one of the things that you can do also towards getting in with the PA work is working through peripheral other parts of the industry and getting those uh, those contacts into the PA work. Making for well. working with it. Yep. A lot of it. I do I have been told a lot of networking is, you know, it's a small world in media and everybody knows each other. Son of a hang on, I got a spam bot to kill. You just won? Yep. But yeah, a lot of it not a lot of the networking actually is um Basic, it's a lot, networking is a major part, and I've been told that. You know, from I did take a mass comm course, which they're more focused in television than actual uh, than film, actually. 
and they said it's a very small world and people know each other very well. So, you know, so networking actually does play a crucial role. Is that more true for the film market as much as television, or? Absolutely, for both. It's like it's very important when you are in the industry to get as much experience as you possibly can and one of the better ways of doing it is getting in through also all the uh, all the peripheral ways as well one of the things that you get to know people through is like for example you know getting jobs with craft services companies hmm. ironically enough that it, that it brings you close enough to assistant directors you who you're able to speak to and parlay it forward or doing wardrobe assisting work doing uh, like again there's peripheral extra outside works that uh, can happen even in terms of office work in terms of office PAs when you're in there it's like being able to network with the people in the office hmm. that works so it's, it's kind just of exciting new ways just looking for like uh, the um, I'm pretty much working, looking for like a small job to get experience and knowing people and all that, and working the Twin Cities. Also, might be applying for a few film grants by I think it was like the Film Board of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they do offer ten thousand dollar grants for certain films. Cool. Um, it's, uh, and one of the things that they were asking, it's like uh, that we're go- uh, that basically, um, it's like in terms of the casting, which is something that's uh, being happened in the uh, in our post right now. So, what do you look for in your ideal cast? I'm looking for somebody who's reliable, but who can fit the voice and who are easy to communicate with, and who will get the job done. Not only that, but it's more. Doesn't see the role. It's just another. Yeah, who cares? But he's much more. Was um, much more involved. I guess much, a little more excited. And also, but it depends. You know, it's if the character is interesting, people are going to trust me. There's someone who's really interested in the character. They're going to get extremely involved if the character is interesting. Absolutely, and, and uh, it's like that's another thing is writing more compelling characters. We're going to go also into uh, a little bit of that into our next episode. It's like one of the things on the blog that we'd love you to check out is talking about script. Let's start off with uh, with the story. It's like what will make a compelling story, and feel free. Uh, it's like if everybody in our audience also wants to contribute to the what makes a compelling story for you. It's something that, you know, has good characters, but a good story for me is something that take, it's appropriate, but subtle, but sometimes it'll hit you over the head, but not too much. Um, basically, it's someone you can, you can work with well, and I mean, someone you can, it takes you along and just really changes you, but not only that, that makes you think after the movie's done. Exactly. So uh, it's one of those things of, you know what, we're all the creators and innovators of it. I think so, but you know, it, it, it's about changing what you can. People can tell the same story. People can do... I guess I told you what makes me bad cinema is people, if you try to be smart or not, but if you add something for the sake of it that's not necessary, it, it does pretty poorly. Um... 
Yeah, it's like, uh, basically, it is. And what do you think of, uh, now here's an interesting question that we'd love to know from you, in terms of ad adaptations of works, exactly. A good story. Uh, you know, it's like, in terms of that, it's like, would you like to see a machinima that's an adaptation of a book just like anybody else? Actually, I've done that. I've actually thought it considered doing an adaptation of several books. And sorry, Monk, uh, Monk Moby Dick doesn't count. <laughs> Um, Even though it's, it's a really great interpretation of Moby Dick. I was, actually, it is. It's a fabulous interpretation of Moby Dick. It actually, it nails it on the head. <laughs> uh, basically, a good story. Uh, mostly, um, well, for books, I wanted to do The Most Dangerous Game. Mm -hmm. which, that one was an awesome one. It's a great story. I loved it. Um, mostly some Poe works. I wanted to do Poe. I'm a huge. Mm -hmm. I love uh, reading Poe's work, uh, especially the Telltale Heart is one I wanted to do, and the the Fall of the House of Usher actually was another one. It was supposed to be my Halloween project to do an adaptation of the Fall of the House of Usher, pitting the pendulum too. But um, as someone was pointing out, a good a, a blacklist or a bad list. Um, I wouldn't post my. I do have a list actually of good of people I would cast again and won't cast again, but I'm not going to post the one until I won't cast again. It doesn't yeah. say nice things. Yes, yeah, sadly, it's like it doesn't. It doesn't do that. So, what do you think? Uh, now, here's a, a great final question for us because it's like we're coming down to our last three minutes, probably before our next break. Correct, Monk. Before our, uh, our final. One, uh, that we're hitting our one hour mark for us yeah our final question short or long would you, li uh, would you watch a full length machinima of two hours if it's good if it's really good you know <laughs> mm -hmm. a terrible film can kill you really I mean I, the worst film I've ever seen was a machinima film that tried to be a feature length film And it was painful. Yeah. So, if if it captures your interest, then uh, I've seen people do that before. If there was a, a great film that was about two hours long, I'll have to find that team underground. That's at least it was probably the most interesting one. It was um. Oh damn it! I can't find it. It was about an hour and a half. Oh, yeah, it was Concat Quest Black Star Rising. That is great. That's great. And Temporary Nights. Uh, they're like 70 minutes. But you get nice. bad films like that. Just That's painful. But as long as it tells a story and it keeps your attention for that long, it's great. So, um, like I said, Temporary Nights and uh, Conquest Black Star Rising are great examples of machinima that's over, that's over an hour in length. With that uh, also being said, it's like, uh, Chris, any final questions? Um, chicks love male camel toe. Um, uh, there's no reason to become alarmed, and we hope you'll enjoy the rest of your fight. By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane? So hopefully, uh, so hopefully uh, we will find that flyer of the plane. 
But yes. Oh, I can fly a fly. I can fly a plane. Can you? No. <laughs> so hopeful. I can't. And here I was counting on you getting me over to the AFM. You just like pulled that rug right out from underneath me, didn't you, Ben Tuttle? Yeah, well, I could fly one in Microsoft Flight Simulator, but that's not that doesn't count. Close enough. I flew from uh, you know from Chicago to Los Angeles one time, so. Well, there you go. No, uh, with no no, uh, no stops along the way. Well, and also, we want to thank you once again. You totally rock. And stick with us also for next week for uh, our movie time because we have taken over the spotlights uh, place once again for the next few weeks. And we hope that you all had a fun time with us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.